You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. This is Bloomberg Business of Sports. The cold hard truth about the Olympic journey is not really been financially incentivized in the same way that many other professional sports are. The business of basketball involves CBA, Global, our licensing arm, Think 450. All of those things will make up what that looks like. Money in sports is one of the reasons why I enjoy being on Monday Night Countdown. We talk about some of the more interesting aspects of business of sports. When you're talking sports, discipline is the bridge from being good to ultimately being great at whatever it is that you're trying to be or accomplish at your profession. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports show where we explore the big old money issues in the world of sports. I'm Michael Barr. I'm Scarlett Fu. And I'm Damian Sassauer. That's right. That's our special guest host from <laughs> Bloomberg Intelligence. And if we had an applause button, we'd play it right now. I, I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> Thank you, Damien. <laughs> Coming up today, we chat with Bill Mulvihill, Senior Vice President of U.S. Bank Sports and Entertainment Group. That is straight ahead on the Bloomberg Business of Sports show. But first, let's look at some of the top sports stories making headlines this week. This one is emotional to me, gang. Ukraine, they are a win away from going to World Cup, Cup competition because they beat Scotland, and now I think they're playing Wales now. And this is emotional. If you've seen the clips of them winning, uh, just to see the fans say, hey, we got a little joy here uh, going through all the stuff that they're going through, Scar, it really is amazing. I mean, the world is rooting for Ukraine to advance to the World Cup. Of course, what I find fascinating with all of this is everyone's lives was disrupted. They had not kicked a ball since December because of Russia's invasion of, of Ukraine, and that halted the resumption of league football following you know their regular winter shutdown. Um, the players went from training at their clubs to sheltering in basements uh, with their families. So you know, they've gone through heaven and hell to get to this point, and it is incredible that they're on the cusp of, of making the World Cup. Yeah, Scarlett, I think they had to spend a month training in Slovenia, you know, and now they're 90 minutes away from, you know, from, from qualifying for the World Cup. And look, I mean, if they do make it, here's the interesting thing. They'll be in Group B alongside England, Iran, and of course, the United States. So <laughs> we'll see who we're rooting for come World Cup time. What's amazing about sports, and this is something that, yes, sports is a business, but there's a reason why you you hear the fans cheering at a baseball game, you hear the fans cheering at a football game, you hear the fans cheering wherever, your fa- what your favorite sport is, whatever, it's because it is a release. You, you, you're rooting for your city, you're rooting for your home team. And if you are Ukraine, 
the fans there, you just want to escape just for a moment of all the terror that's going mm-hmm. through there. So salute to, to Ukraine. Tip my hat to you. I hope uh, you guys advance. Uh, no offense to Wales, but I, I just – that's a team that deserves it. Moving right along, let's talk about LeBron James. LeBron James reaches uh, a significant net worth milestone. Uh, LeBron James – Yes, he has had a successful career. <laughs> James' net worth comes in a variety of investments, and uh, if this wasn't a topic, uh, I'd, I'd use this as the number of the week. By uh, reports, $300 million in the Spring Hill Company, which holds three of James' companies into one, Scar. Yeah, and the milestone you're talking about here is that he's officially become the first ever billionaire NBA player. Mm-hmm. I was kind of surprised because I thought he already was a billionaire. You know, I have to agree with you, Scarlett. I mean, I'm kind of surprised. I mean, that's a low number for me. I mean, the man has his fingers into everything, and he's still young, relatively young in his career. I think he's got a number of years left. So, you know, I wouldn't count uh, Mr. James out. I think we're going to be seeing him on the Forbes list for quite some time. Yeah, he's in the three comma club. He could very well be in the four comma club if uh, any of you has seen Silicon Valley and the obsession with commas and zeros. <laughs> <laughs> well, keep in mind, he's been in play since 18 years old, and True. he has been managing his money well. And I'm sure yeah, that's and media what, friendly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's that has played a role. And he is, I'm sure he's schooling his son well. It's like, all right, son, this is how you do it. When you want to do your NBA career or wherever, which way you want to go. I mean, the Maron James, it, it has become more now than just talent on the court. I mean, yes, as a fan, we like, mm-hmm. we see the, the player, this, that, whatever. But I love hearing the stories, the afterward stories. Okay, what has this athlete done to keep this going? And mm. and I'm I'm appreciative to hear stories like that. And it, like uh, LeBron James, Moran, and Damakon Sue, they they finance their money well. They they have the sports; that's their job. And then they they show you how to invest your money. They're very, he was very strategic. He invested in Blaze, um, a, a pizza company, mm-hmm. rather than McDonald's, which yep. everyone knows. Uh, he turned down deals with Reebok and Adidas um, as an 18-year-old, and later on uh, signed a lifetime deal with Nike in 2015. So he was very thoughtful about how he moved forward with this. Incredibly so, and I, I would I'd really like to know um, you know if he supports Joe Biden's tax plan. Uh, that's a big question for me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, he's look. I mean, LeBron James is really I mean outstanding player, and again, I think he's got a number of years left. And I mean, he's just now entering you know that phase in his career where he's got all this money and he's got to play, find a place to put it to work. And so, similar to other athletes like A Rod, you know, I expect to see good things in the future. Okay, I'm going to move the chair now over to the other side of the room because this next topic, someone's going to be screaming at the top of their lungs <laughs> and probably just throwing computers all over the place in celebration. Yes, the Rangers, they're in the East Finals. Uh, they they look great against the They Lightning. looked great against the Lightning, which are the defending Stanley Cup champions, uh, back-to-back champions, no less. But the Lightning had nine days of rest because they swept the Florida Panthers and the Rangers were coming off a seven-game series uh, against uh, the Hurricane, the Carolina Hurricanes. So they they had some momentum, and they definitely showed it, uh, beating the Tampa Bay Lightning, resoundingly beating them six to two. 
And of course, they had home ice advantage. I almost said home field, but they had home ice advantage. So it was played at the Garden, too. So I don't know if either of you watched the game, but the, the Garden crowd was getting kind of cocky. Yeah, no, I mean, look, you know, the reality is they were sleepwalking and they did have nine days off. And, you know, you're going to expect a better uh, outing, I think, next time around. But my God, 22 years old, Chittle scored those pair of second period of goals. I mean, he was awesome. I mean, what a young team. They played yeah. so well. I mean, they just looked quicker. I mean, they moved to open space so much better. And yeah, you know, I mean, the bat the, the first matchup of those two goalies, I mean, it was a deciding victory for uh, for the Rangers. Yes, it was meant to be this goaltender duel, a goalie duel, and it wasn't, right? It turned out to be a shootout with a score of 6-2, which is incredible. Um, I actually was curious about the financial impact of the Rangers mm-hmm. advancing to this point in the playoffs. And I talked with an analyst at Jeffries, and they had put out a note in early May saying that the management of MSG Sports, which owns the New York Rangers and the Knicks, noted that the economics of playoff games provide a meaningful premium to regular games. Uh, the Knicks are not in the playoffs, so we're really only talking about the Rangers this year. And anyone who's gone to see a playoff game knows that ticket prices go up with every round that the team advances to. So using numbers from the last time that the Rangers made the playoffs back in 2017, each home game at MSG should contribute an additional $5 million of revenue. This is not inflation adjusted, so it's at least $5 million. So, Damien and Michael Barr, there have already been seven home games thus far. That's $35 million. Uh, two games for sure in this Eastern Conference round. That's $45 million. That brings it up to forty-five. If the Rangers end up playing seven games against the Lightning, we're talking $55 million in revenue. Um, most of that, of course, in ticket prices, uh, but you know, there's also concession stand sales and all that. And those are the folks that I'm proud of because those are the people that are they need that sports team mm-hmm. to be there to make the money. So they're making. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel Financial Advisors. If you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do. That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. 
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. The concessions, yeah. uh, the souvenirs. I mean, I can go on. and Everyone is happy when you're seeing hockey in late June. Well, Jim Dolan's happy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would say true that, as my sons would say. This program is <laughs> all about the big money issues in sports. And boy, do we have a guest that knows all the sports entertainment and finance. He is Bill Mulvihill, the head of U.S. Bank Sports and Entertainment Group. And he's going to talk to us about what he's keeping an eye on in the world of sports finance. Bill, thank you for joining us on the Bloomberg Business of Sports show. Well, it's great to be here, and, and, and I'm excited to speak to all three of you this time. So it's great to be back and looking forward to the conversation. Well, Bill, thank you. And I guess the first question, everybody's building, build, 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 construction all over the place. Take us through that about the high demand for new construction. Yeah, I think absolutely. I think as sports teams have um, – really realize how to maximize revenue from new construction and, and some of the major renovations we've seen on stadiums and arenas. You're just seeing pretty much every team contemplate that. And then certainly I think too, as we come out of COVID and teams have had to rethink how they present their product in person, how their fans are going to want to experience the game. It's just having, it's just teams are, um, are more focused than ever than delivering that really unique live experience to get the person to say, I'm going to get off my couch away from my big screen TV and buy a ticket and go to this game. And so it's certainly top of mind in, 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 in all of our clients. Can you talk us through how franchises make the determination between renovating existing venues versus new construction? What do you take them through in terms of thinking through the different steps and the pros and cons? Yeah, sure, absolutely, and I think those are those are the exact types of conversations that teams are having. I think one one thing I note on on that topic is why we all see the price of new constructions has really gone through the roof. Even uh, certainly recently with some of the inflation issues, but even on a long term trend uh, that's been the case for the last ten years. But also the cost of renovations have gone through the roof, and so no longer can you do the fifty million dollar redo to to really change this, the feel of your stadium, those costs are now six, seven, eight hundred million dollars. And so I think building a new stadium, I would say, is more of a generational decision and, um, and really franchise changing decision. And so I would say oftentimes when we're talking to our clients that it's, hey, do we want to do a renovation that maybe keeps us in this building for five, six, ten, ten type years? Or do we want to really change the direction of our franchise with an entirely new facility, maybe even in a totally new location, which oftentimes brings up some, um, I'll call it political challenges of, of getting certain approvals for that. Uh, and so obviously it goes without saying a new stadium is, is a much bigger and, and franchise altering conversation. And so oftentimes we're just talking through with our clients is, is that where they're at? Is that the decision they want to make at this time? Or uh, are there some choices to just, just change the feel of their current stadium in a way 
that still brings on some of the new amenities that our fans uh, really demand now, but not have to go through the franchise-altering process of building brand new. Let me just ask a quick follow-up to that. When there is a renovation, how long is that good for? I mean, does that kind of settle things for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years? Yeah, you know, I would say maybe I think closer to max of maybe 10 years. And, and with the caveat there, uh, Scarlett, that um, as we all know, ch- technology is changing so rapidly. And, I, and so I certainly think one of the things people think about when when they're asking them that qu- themselves this question of how long is this going to get us is, is really how much do we ch- trust what technology is going to be certainly 10 years from now, but even one year, three years from now. Um, and there's a lot of talk with things like virtual reality and augmented reality that there's going to be this new wave of technologies that come to the game experience. And, and so I think uh, teams are trying to think through as they think about these renovations, truly how long am I going to be getting or do I need to build in some kind of refresh concepts where maybe if not, I do this and we do another big one 10 years from now, maybe we need to start thinking about every year, couple years, we're doing a refresh to really keep this this facility state-of-the-art. You know, Bill, you mentioned the word inflation, you know, and the impact of inflation on your business, on what you're seeing, on supply chain snarls, on, you know, the impact of refinancing as interest rates go higher in the, here in the U.S. How are pro sports franchises, how are stadium builds impacted by inflation? Yeah, what I would say on that front is we don't, I, I wouldn't say we've seen them alter decisions, especially on the, the very big decisions of are we building a new stadium or a major renovation? Because as I mentioned before, I think those are really long-term decisions and we don't see the go, no-go decision being impacted by inflation or supply chain issues. But I think once that, once that decision has been made or we're in the active stage of construction, absolutely, um, especially some of the supply chain issues, I would say, almost more than inflation, um, I think has been a real challenge for certain facilities. And they've had to spend a lot of time making sure they can get the steel when they need or whatever the components they need and have been very focused on um, on that. And in some cases, I think it could delay the completion of projects um, given, given some of the supply chain issues. On the inflation front, you know, obviously it just raises the cost of, um, of the project. And so uh, as we think about from our vantage point of view, lending and providing capital into those facilities, oftentimes it's we have to go back to the table and maybe increase our facilities or maybe there's more equity needed, um, whatever it might be or a combination of. But um, yeah, I, I would say it's certainly an impact, but it's not changing whether teams decide or just to do it or to not do it, uh, a rebuild or a refresh. Got about a few seconds here in this first segment, but I just want to talk about your resume right quick. This isn't like you've been financing Clancy's Bar and Grill. I mean, this is, you know, this is the U.S. Bank Stadium, Minnesota Vikings home, uh, Levi Stadium for the 49ers. What is it like you have this big resume of big time stadiums, sir? Well, thank you for that. Yeah, my son, who's nine, he always jokes, "Dad, you build these stadiums." I think in his mind, I have a hammer and a nail out there uh, <laughs> put them together. But uh, no, that's I try to tell him that's not the case. But uh, yeah, it's, it's been terrific, and it's it's been really fun to see the growth of these these stadiums and the evolution of the stadiums over the last twenty years, and they've really become these unique, special venues. And I'd say, from a personal level, it's certainly great to 
to drive by and, and see see the construction of the facility and all the work that our team has put into it. So it's it's definitely a definitely a rewarding space to be in, and and we're we're very much looking forward to kind of this next generation of facilities uh, in the years ahead. What's your personal favorite? Oh, it's like asking for which one of my kids is my favorite. Yes, that's uh, what we're asking. I, I don't know <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, I maybe I uh, I'll, I'll give the corporate answer. It's a U.S. Bank Stadium, given uh, given our name is on the facility. That, that certainly good. stands out. Wow. There's uh, there's so many, but uh, yeah, that that was a special one. We spent a lot of time uh, on that on that facility, and uh, a lot of great memories from that one scar all up in the man's business look what you did see anyway so bill here's the thing we have our stadium it is foo sass bar and the fans <laughs> love marble racing in our stadium man we, we pack them in so we're coming to you and we want to have private financing what take us through the process of what we have to do outside of me putting on a suit to come to you for private financing well, in this day and age, I would probably even make you wear a suit. We're also <laughs> informal now. But um, uh, so, yeah, I would say these are year long processes, uh, three, four, five years in the making, where, and I would say we first start with our clients where it's um, they're thinking about a stadium, maybe a new one, maybe refreshing their current one, and we're sharing what we see other clubs do, uh, other considerations uh, that, that they should think about. And then it kind of morphs into uh, they know they're going to do it, and we're really trying to lock in, okay, the financing, how we're going to pay for this. Uh, usually there's a mix of public dollars, private dollars, and then um, some debt financing, in which we're very much focused on. Uh, and so we really kind of lock in a financing structure um, and then shovels in the ground. Uh, before shovels can go in the ground, we, we all want to make sure we know how it's going to get paid for. And then throughout the construction, um, there's certainly some monitoring that happens, and we're very focused to making sure the building's built on time and on budget and helping our clients uh, focus on that. And then the fun part, when the, the ribbon cutting and the, the doors are open and the, the actual operations of the facility begin, and we, we very much stay involved. Uh, and that as well to to help the clubs or the teams as they they move from a construction phase to an operation phase. And you know, so I would say from start to finish, as I mentioned, that's probably it could be anywhere to a five year process from where we first start until we actually see games in the facility. So that's really interesting because um, right now we know that teams have a lot of access to liquidity. Uh, so private financing certainly is an option, but you also have a lot of states that now have budget surpluses. I think of California and how it expects a rec- record budget surplus of nearly $100 billion. And of course, this changes year by year, but I wonder how that affects, how that influences the decision-making and the lobbying, I guess, on both the state's part and on the franchise's part to get public funding. Yeah, a really interesting time, because I think for so long, it's been harder and harder. The trend has been for it to be harder and harder to get public dollars. And certainly, I would say the hardest are the places on the coast. Um, and so that's that's been a trend over the last 10 years. But you just mentioned sort of the recent phenomenon of, of uh, budget surpluses. And so I think that's something we, I guess I would say we're all focused on to see if that reverses the trend. We really haven't seen uh, it, it do that yet. But 
I think it's something that we're watching closely and see if there's more appetite um, than there was uh, certainly during COVID, but even pre-COVID to put public dollars in these stadiums. Uh, we, we spoke before about how the costs have risen dramatically. And so as we just think about the capital stack, uh, the more support um, from the public, obviously the, 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 the easier it is to, to justify the construction. And so a uh, very, very much a focus and a hot topic uh, currently that, uh, that, that we're watching. You know, Bill, you know, I know you're you and U.S. Bank are both obviously uh, focused here in the U.S., but I want to take you to China for a minute here. And I want to you know, ask you about what some of the things we're seeing there, like Guangzhou Evergrande Stadium is supposed to have a capacity of 100,000. It's not even going to be built now due to the COVID zero policy there in the pandemic. You know, how do you get your clients? How do you get your bank, for that matter, comfortable that we can have issues or other events in the future that can so materially impact the way things are going in China? I mean, these white elephants, these stadiums that were built for the Asian Cup. I mean, the country's not even hosting the Asian Cup anymore. I'm wondering if you could just kind of share with us, how do you get clients comfortable that you're not going to have some sort of epic event that's going to derail their local economy and prevent them from, you know, getting people into the stadiums? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's certainly tough, and I would say in some um, localities tougher than others, just given um, maybe some of the local dynamics and and um, and some of the political challenges. And so, you know, I think as we as we move outside the U.S., uh, I would say it, it just gets more more of a challenge. But maybe specifically to, to these, you know, unique once in a lifetime events like like the experience with COVID, I would say. Our conversations internally, and as we as we think about this with clients, in many cases, it almost gives us more comfort with the overall business model of, of stadiums and arenas in a way that, hey, these all live through, and I know you just gave some examples that didn't, but um, certainly in, in most of the places or the, the facilities that we've been a part of, they all live through this sort of once-in-a-lifetime event, which directly impacted their businesses where they couldn't play games or couldn't play games with limited fans, and they made it to the other side. And so as we think about the risk of these facilities, that's always the number one concern. Uh, if some reason, games were unable to be played there, and, uh, and and they survived. And so I guess, you know, there, there are some one-off cases that, that, that paint a, a, a worse story than that. But overall, as we think about the industry, I'd say, were more bullish coming out of COVID and seeing how resilient the industry was than, than even before. The coastal cities, and I'm talking about cities like New York, California, Florida, they're shifting away from publicly financed stadiums and arenas, and they're going more for private financing. Why is that? Well, I think as, as we got into a little bit before, I, I think the politics of getting support for, for public financing became very difficult in these coastal areas. And, uh, I think the, the idea with with so many other needs for those government dollars to put what was perceived to be beyond a, a, a sports facility could no longer garner enough political support. Um, and, and it really has been the most challenging in those coastal cities you, you mentioned. I think as we, as we were speaking before, many of those cities now have, or municipalities now have surpluses. So maybe those conversations will be easier. But I, I will share that in the last... Um, you know, last five years maybe when we're financing facilities in those locations, we start from a point of just assuming they will be zero public dollars huh. um, because it has been so difficult to uh, to get support for that. 
Yeah, and, and one reason why is because the, the value of those franchises uh, have just skyrocketed in places like California, New York, Florida. Uh, they're big market cities, and the leagues obviously are very healthy financially. I wonder if you look across the different professional leagues, the NBA, the MLB, NFL, NHL, MLS, I know that the NBA is is sitting pretty when it comes to the financial health. Tell us a little bit about what you see there and what it does better uh, in terms of the media deals it struck, the expansion plans it's um, pursued, how it how it sets itself apart from the other leagues. Well, I think the NBA has done a terrific job in embracing two things. One, technology. I think they've um, really been at the forefront of thinking about how, especially technology as it relates to delivering their content um, and really uh, doing a terrific job of um, trying to tr- trying to explore ways uh, that they can meet what their viewers want. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is in the past, how we all grew up, and, and it's still somewhat this, this way. When you watch sports, you sit down and you watch the beginning to the end, you watch the game, and then that's how you consume it. But And some people like to watch that, but other people, they just might want to watch the last two minutes of a play, or they just might want to watch all the highlights of the dunks from the night, or they, you know, I know you asked about NBA, but think about red zone in the NFL. So um, I think the NBA has done a terrific job of figuring out how to meet, use technology to meet the the viewing demands of their of their clients, or excuse me, of their viewers. Um, and then the other thing that the NBA has done a terrific job with is international. Uh, they are hot on the heels of soccer, I would say, to be the most popular. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do. That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. 
Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. ...in the world, and, um, and so they've, had, they've realized tremendous growth uh, because of that. So, yeah, I think the, the NBA is in a terrific spot. Um, and, and really uh, remain very bullish on their long-term prospects. You know, Bull, I know deep down you are a Cincinnati Bearcat, but let me just ask you this. I mean, you know, you've got this experience having worked as an economist for First Trust, you know, prior to working for U.S. Bank in your current role, but somewhere along the way, you're on the staff of the U.S. House Ways and Means Committee. And so for me, you know, you mentioned the politics uh, that go hand in hand with developing a new stadium. And, you know, how did that experience prepare you for your current role? I mean, are you dealing with politicians, with tax policy, with municipal governments? I mean, is that a big part of what you do? every day? Yeah, I think I should say it's a big part of what we do when we get in the, in the weeds, helping a team uh, construct the capital stack for a stadium. And I, I would say that that experience is, has helped me um, have a perspective uh, on what might be important from a political standpoint, which is can be very much different of what's important from a financial standpoint, which is bankers were sort of trained to think through that through that lens. So yes, I think it's it certainly has helped, and we certainly try to work with our clients on, you know, there's the financial side of this, but there's the political side of this, and we need to make sure we have the, the justification and the backing and the rationale strong on both sides to justify this and to get support. Um, and, and so, and that's been, you know, very important in certain deals that we've been able to do that. Can you imagine what would happen if the Cincinnati region is picked as the host city for the 2026 World Cup. I bring it up because you are working on West End Stadium, the future home of FC Cincinnati and MLS. Man, if if the Cincinnati area gets that, that stadium is off the hook. Can you comment on that? Well, absolutely. We've been we've been working very closely with FC Cincinnati and the city here to help help win that uh, that bid, I can tell you there's a lot of excitement uh, around the city, both for soccer uh, in Cincinnati, but also for this potential World Cup. So I think we're waiting, uh, waiting with, uh, on the edge of our seat to see uh, if we're going to be successful there. How much time do you watch? Do you spend watching live sports, Bill? I'm I'm just curious. And, and when you're watching it, can you enjoy it? Are you thinking through the, the finances part of it, um, the – the infrastructure, the stadiums, and then the needs of the team? Yeah. Uh, well, I spend a lot of time watching sports to answer your first question. I like to tell my wife that I'm just doing my job. So. Oh, yeah, and, that, and right. Doing, but, doing uh, research. <laughs> yeah, right. But, no, I, it definitely gives you a different perspective to think through the business side of it. And I would say, um, you know, I, the other thing is certain clients that you get to know very well over time, uh, and really care for them and want them to be successful. It's it sort of creates a more per- personal dynamic that you're really rooting for their success because you know how much it would mean to them. So yeah, it's definitely a different perspective. But I, uh, I'm certainly going to be watching. Uh, you know, we'll watch the NBA Finals and Stanley Cup and all that. And so um, I, I do enjoy uh, not only the business side of sports, but I really enjoy watching it as well. Just one last question, Bill. Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow, you think they have a chance of returning to the Super Bowl this year? I certainly hope so. I think uh, I was at the Super Bowl last year, and it was uh, 
it was a tough one. Um, and they, uh, I just give my, my personal opinion. They, they had some offensive line issues that they've addressed. Um, I think they're poised to make another deep run and it would be great to, to get back and have another shot. Bill, I like your, your excuse when you tell your wife, I got to watch the sports, honey. It's, it's part of the job. And my wife <laughs> said, said, I said that to my wife. It and didn't she work. says, well, she says, why are you holding a beer? Well, I need the fan experience. I need that when I'm watching the Indy 500. It helps me get into the mindset when I'm writing. She didn't buy any of that stuff, but I like, I like his style, Bill. <laughs> Bill Mulvihill. Yeah, I didn't think about that idea. That's a great thing <laughs> Sharing best practices, the two of you. Yeah, why am I holding a Budweiser as I'm uh, I'm trying to get into the sports experience? Uh, Bill Mulvihill, head of the U.S. Bank Sports and Entertainment Group, providing us his insights on the major money issues affecting the sports industry. Bill, thank you so much for your time and joining us on the show today. Yeah, thanks to the three of you. It was was great. I look forward to catching up soon. Thanks, Bill. That was a lot of fun. Thank you, sir. As always, our guests drop a lot of knowledge on us. Bill Mulvihill, I, I, I was half joking about the uh, Foo Sass Bar Stadium, but I no, like no, I'm the, into it. Yeah, I, I'm telling you, the marble racing—they a lot of people. They bought a lot of marbles at the souvenir stand. We could do this, and I like the way Bill explained. Okay, this is how you're you're going to break it down to try to get the financing for it. Because I, I think there's some people out there. I mean, yeah, we're, we're in the business world, this and that, whatever. But I don't think a lot of people out there know it yet. So you, you, that's why we try to combine sports and business together. That's what this show is all about. Yeah, and I think on the strength of our brand, our names, uh, we could get private financing. We don't need to ask taxpayers to pony up money for it. I think that I love that question, Michael Barr, about. The idea that coastal states have shied away, moved away from publicly financed stadiums and arenas. And his answer that they just start from this base where they assume they're not going to get any public money because uh, voters tend to get outraged by having to subsidize new stadiums for franchises that are worth billions, tens of billions of dollars. Um, yeah, you know, Scarlett, I, I, you know, I agree, but I think it's, it's more about, you know, not, not so much the actual public funding. It's also about what's the economic impact of building a stadium? How many jobs are you creating? How much mm-hmm. money are you generating for the, for the, for the municipality? Right. And I think that's where the rubber meets the road. It's that revenue share at that level. And I think, you know, you know, again, he touched on it, but there's a lot more there. I mean, certainly we need to get Bill up here to Manhattan. Maybe he can help uh, New York FC get a stadium. I know mm-hmm. that's been <laughs> tied up for quite a while. My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since a kid. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike. We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports, the number of the week. Hey. Hey. Oh, no. Hey. Actually, you know what? I might have a shot. You you might have a shot at this. You know what it's time Sorry, for, Sorry, Damien, it has nothing to do with you. It's more just that uh, Lynchy is not right here. No, it's got everything to do with you, uh, Damien. That's what this is all about. It's time for the number of the week. Uh, folks, huddle around your set. And I'm, I'm just blatantly plugging this because I think this is really neat. There is a Boston Celtics, in honor of them being in the finals. NBA Finals, uh-huh. 75th anniversary commemorative book. And it's the official illustrated history of it. Uh, it's uh, forwarded by Jason Tatum uh, and uh, also has uh, interviews with uh, Bob Cousy. And it really is nice. And, and, and it's 
Yours for the price of blank. what? Seventy fifth anniversary. Seventy fifth anniversary. Seventy no seventy four dollars ninety nine cents. You said seventy four ninety nine. Yeah. Damien, oh, is that what we're guessing? The, the cost of the book. Cost of the book. Retail price. Fifty dollars. <laughs> oh no, Michael Barr. <laughs> the actual retail price. Forty-four ninety-nine. No. <laughs> Wait, are these? Is, is this Price is Right rules, or are we? Well, are we is it, I, I gotta are we give it to out? you, We're man. It's like you know. It's like I, I would have said overbid at fifty, but the closest to Damien said, "You know what was funny? Because you would you were talking trash. See what happens." See what happened? Ooh, she's I mad at me. I should have said nothing. Oh. Scar, Scar's going to throw I a chair. I thought they were going to do a play on numbers. 75th anniversary, $75. There's inflation I mean, to consider I, here. I mean, I only charge $34.99 for my autobiography, so I'm actually kind of impressed. <laughs> Sign me up. Oh, man. Uh, that wraps up this edition of the Bloomberg Business of Sports Show. By the way, you won, Damien. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. Oh, wow, wow. You know, I try. I try. <laughs> We're here each and every week at the same time, and you can hear Scarlet lose every week. Plus, online, wherever you get <laughs> your podcast, you can catch those Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. I'm Scarlet Foo on Twitter at Scarlet Foo. And if you have suggestions for numbers of the week, <laughs> Feel free to tweet Michael Barr directly. DM him at Big Bar Sports uh, so that I might get a shot at winning this one of these weeks. Oh, uh, yeah. And I'm Damian Sassauer at Sassauer. You don't need to go there. You could just listen to me on Bloomberg Business of Sports. Oh, thank you for joining us, folks. Tune in again next week. We do have a lot of fun on the show. For the latest on the stories, moving big money in the world of sports, you're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports and Bloomberg Radio around the world. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.